As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will see through the fog a bend in reality, a veil that is beyond your own comprehension. It's the other side, beyond the void. And welcome back to Beyond, Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right, it's episode 343, and today we are going to be talking about some beasts, some campy, shl- well, I don't want to say schlaggy, but campy, old school 70s beasts. Really old. Yeah, and this, actually, surprisingly, this episode I thought was going to be kind of a hard one to do. Um, and it's going to be harder if I don't give Murray his stuff here. Here's your toy. Here's your... <laughs> I just flicked it all over your desk. Anyway, thanks to Murray. You're welcome. Uh, anyway, so I thought this episode was going to be really fucking boring. hard and boring and dumb. And it turned out this was one of my favorite, like, researched fucking uh, episodes. And what did we watch? I Well, we watched... <laughs> Trog from 1970 and Shriek of the Mutilated from 1974, not to be mistaken for Shrek. Yeah, so we've kind of gone into some monkey beast stuff, you know, and uh, we did monkeys last week, which if you haven't listened to that episode, shame on you. How bad monkey, okay? (laughs) These are the more mature, older, man-like monkeys that we were talking about. And uh, boy... Shit got crazy. Boy, howdy, are these some fucking weird movies. <laughs> like, the 70s really produced some pretty interesting shit, and it kind of makes me want to watch a hell of a lot more from the 70s. You know, like Blood Feast. I think that was in the late 60s, but uh, I can't remember, actually. And then uh, Wizard of Gore. That's another one that I've been thinking about watching, too. So, I don't know. If you guys enjoy these 70s fucking lookbacks and, uh, you know, to try to check new things out that you haven't seen, I mean, that's what this this episode is all about. That's what this whole fucking show is about, is to discover new shit that we haven't seen before because we want to be more well-read. We like horror. We want to see what it's all about. We want to know all about it. That's the goal, okay? Yeah. So this this show doesn't end until I'm fucking dead, all right? Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Ked tragically dies from heart failure. You don't fucking say that. <laughs> I woke up and his body was stiff. Like... <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that, huh? No, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Sorry. Morbid, morbid, morbid. You. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say. I was going to say I've been morbid lately, but. She's been really dark. She's that shit. When you know when we talk about what the fuck Mondays or whatever the fuck it is, like. 
Well, she's like she's always got some fucking dark shit going on. Well, I mean, we so, laugh at some, some dark stuff, guys, but it's all in good fun. We're not doing it to to be rude. I know we had an episode the other day where we talked about some things that we shouldn't have laughed about, but I couldn't help it. <laughs> Before you say it, you better tell me what the fuck it is, Christina, because I'm not gonna fucking this put this is in there. Oh, shit. well, there's your what the fuck Monday. Sorry, I've been kind of morbid lately. Well, because I've been watching all the videos and stuff. It's so strange. Christina's watching fucking conspiracy goddamn no, videos. No, I wasn't. Wa- no, I was not. I was not watching this conspiracy stuff. Okay, all right, calm down. I'm just being joking, no, first of all. That's not funny. I, you used to be able to joke about that stuff, <laughs> but you can't fucking do it anymore. I know, I know. <laughs> I wasn't. I was I was listening to... Um, she was drinking Trump urine that she bought off the internet. I don't know if it's his or not. <laughs> I'm just joking. Go ahead. I was listening to victim statements and people who survived. Okay. And Way to bring it down, Christina. Way to bring it down. Well, you're the one who's fucking interrupting I said me. I'm joking about it. I didn't start talking about tragedy. You're the one that's like, it's 9-11. <laughs> I didn't think about that until you brought it up. Sorry. Thank you. You're welcome. Happy Monday, everybody. There's your fucking happy Monday. <laughs> Good God. So what the fuck is going on with you this week, Christina? What do we what do we got to tell these people? Well, I was having a good week until Alex decided to pour olive oil all over the floor. Oh yeah, I was I was baking um some what do you call it? Chicken some chicken wings, wings and uh, I broke out the olive oil like literal olive oil, and uh, we have a spray bottle. We put all the oil in there. We spray the pan. It's beautiful. I love the goddamn thing. Well, the fucking thing wasn't on, so I had I spilled it all over my chest and my legs and the whole f- and I like tried to catch it and in the process of catching it, it just slathered all the, over the fucking the cabinets. The whole fucking bottle. Yeah, all over the cabinets, all over the goddamn floor. I'm fucking like I just was so mad. I was so fucking <laughs> mad. And then she is trying to start an argument with me about whoa, I didn't do it. That's what she basically started saying, and I was like, I. I don't know what the fuck happened all i did is spray it like i normally do the pan and then all of a sudden the fucking bottom fell off and she's like what did you do what did you how did you hold it are I you thought, trying to open it and i, I thought like, you were trying to open it no because so like, you weren't like spray i thought you're trying to pour it It in. literally just fell off fuck and then i tried to catch it mid-fall and just sprayed everywhere <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah now, so now it's gonna take months now we got an ice skating rink in our goddamn kitchen the fucking I gotta put some. I gotta start soaking it up with baking soda and shit. <laughs> I was, dude. I was mad. It was like mid cook of the fucking wings too, and it was only ten minutes away from being done. And it was at my bedtime too, yeah. so I was like, God damn it. She dude. helped me out because uh, I, I, there's no way. <laughs> it's too much. Thank you, by the way. I was still wiping oil off the the cabinets. We just did today. some Greco style wrestling right there on the floor. We were like ready that's to gross. go. No, that's what they call it. Greco style. They use oil. That's gross. Don't you remember fucking... No. I don't. <laughs> don't I don't you even remember... know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> don't you remember that Will Ferrell movie where they go to the fucking... He's like a wrestler, Gre- Greco wrestling or whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't fucking remember what it is. Anyway. What have you been doing? Uh, other than that, Greco style wrestling? Uh, you know, just practice in my form. Try to make sure I can get you down on the ground. Nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, not much. I mean, we, you know, I don't even remember. Oh! I got some stuff in the mail. 
I got some stuff from Visual Vengeance, which is the SOV or smaller p- feature films that are like lost, you know, like they were only brought to us on like VHS and they're putting them out now in, in like these awesome like cases and stuff. They don't sponsor me. Well, they sponsor me, I guess, because they give me the movies to review, but they don't ask me to do anything. They don't pay me or anything. But I just really like Visual Vengeance because I love the SOV style kind of stuff. Like, it's just like such wild, fun, crazy, wacky stuff. Kind of like these movies that we're going to be talking about today. Only these were done on film back then, right? Right. Because we didn't have video just yet. Well, we had video, but not like... It was expensive. It wasn't like the quality wasn't all that great. You know, we still used film. Yeah, because in Trog, they have these people wearing these huge backpacks <laughs> where they're doing a fucking interview with David Warbeck, by the way, who's in one of these movies, um, which was pretty wild. But yeah, I got some movies coming in for, I got The Abomination, I got Replicator, which I've never seen Replicator. I have The Abomination many, many years ago. It's, it's about due time to watch it again. So I'll be putting those up on YouTube. If you haven't already, I got Ghoulies on 4K from MVD Rewind Collection. MVD, who is a huge supporter of this podcast. They don't pay us. They just support the shit out of us. And uh, really cool fucking people, guys. Like, seriously, like, I've they've just been so nice to me. Mm-hmm. And I just really appreciate their support, you know, because it just any support in this podcast means a lot. So they sent me Ghoulies. They sent me Ghoulies 2. And uh, the the first one is on 4K. So I did a review of that. I also did a review of Blood Flower, which is a new Shutter film. So if you haven't seen those yet, please, please watch those. Even if it's just for like, I don't know, five minutes or something like that. But um, yeah, I've been getting hit by like the shit algorithms lately on YouTube. And I don't know if it's just, I don't know what's going on. I think it's those fucking little reels I do on fucking on uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think they're fucking up my algorithm. Oh. So I, I don't think I'm going to do them anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I, I don't like them. Like, I mean, sometimes they reach like 3,000 people. Right. But it's just not, I don't think it's worth it. Anyway, I got some reviews up on YouTube. Please check them out. Also, if you haven't already, this is your time to share the episode with somebody that you know, because this is the only way we exist. And we need your help spreading the word each week to like, try to you know reach more listeners and stuff and we plus we'd rather have people like you guys anyway that are your friends with that listen to this show anyway that are cool so please share this with somebody if you've never given us a review or a rating on like spotify or apple please do that that also boosts us and gets us more listens too so christina what have you been up to though oh i just finished a a servant that show. Oh, on yeah. The one that I, I was Plus. getting a little irritated with. Yeah, it got canceled. It got canceled, I think, this year. Yeah, because they were trying to pull the Lost format where everybody's lost. You don't know where you're It would have been a good two season show. I, I thought it was, it was, I enjoyed it. None of it makes sense. You well, didn't even know. I asked you, is it anything changed? Did they explain anything? Well, like, it's like a spiritual thing. So you don't know because that stuff isn't explainable. Right. Well, you know, it's a big blue ball show. But. No wonder it got canceled. No, it was it was okay. I enjoyed it. It was spooky and funny. I like dark humor. It started to get and darker. It, was, it yeah. was it was fucked up, dude. I mean, a story about a family that loses their child because she overslept or something like that. Yeah, it was fucked up. There's some dark stuff going on there, and then the baby comes back to life somehow. They don't tell you why. Yeah, it's just really weird, <laughs> and it's not even you're not even sure if it's a real baby. Like, 
Right. The whole fucking movie, the whole show, you don't know what the fuck's going on. Right. Just just recently, so, you remember, I don't want to spoil anything. But... Do you remember that uh, that show Castle Rock that we first the first season? Yeah, but where the we second watched season it? was better. Second season way better. Yeah, way better because that was the yeah yeah. But the first season, I remember I did a video and I po- I reposted <laughs> it on our TikTok, which if you're not following BTV Cast by the way at BV- BTV Cast, um, I posted it. and It was like. Where, uh, what's his name? The, he was like, the I clown, don't... the clown guy. Who to play the clown? Skarsgård. 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 Yeah. What's his first name? I don't know. They're brothers, and I get confused yeah. now because they're both like really. Well, the one that played though. it, the clown, Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, that one. He's all like, "You don't know what's happening, do you?" And I'm like, "No, nobody does. <laughs> we still watch. What is happening?" <laughs> That's how servant made me feel, you know, mm-hmm. like you got to fucking I mean, I don't need everything answered all the time, but I just, you know, don't drag me along. It's kind of cheese dick to do that, isn't it? Just to kind of like I didn't feel that way. I just thought it was slow. Well, you liked Lost, too. Yeah, I did. Until the writer strike. <laughs> I know. Well, just like heroes and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the middle of a writer strike. No wonder they canceled it. <laughs> <laughs> they canceled it before the writer's strike. <laughs> Yeah, because they couldn't do anything else with it. I mean, I don't know why not, because all it was is not. Well, if you would have, well, if you would have watched it, then you would know. All right, anybody bitch. else feel me out there? Like what I'm talking about when I say when we talk about the servant or servant. You didn't finish. You didn't even finish the first season. I don't need to to know because you still don't know what the fuck happened. Well, I asked you. Yes, I do, but I can't spoil it. Do you want me to spoil it? No, I. I'm just saying. Jesus. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Calm down. <laughs> anyway, I think it might be that time. Oh, thank God. Horse shots. All right, so we don't really have a drink. We, I have to admit, sometimes we do these things at the last minute, and it's just not going to happen today. So today is brought to you by Vallejo Tequila. <laughs> and Canada Dry. And Canada Dry. They're not sponsoring us, just to be clear, by the way. We're we're sponsoring them. <laughs> I guess that's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we're on, on, on against, against their own will. <laughs> so uh, do you want me to pour you a shot? We're drinking. Uh, like a half. Pour me like a half. Oh, just take a shot. No, Alex, half. I'm not going to drink it if you're going to pour me a whole. I'm not going to pour it in your hole. Here. You pour it in your own hole. <laughs> the look on her face. Here. That is half. Oh, my God. Look what I got, Christina. Does that look like yours? You're such a baby. I didn't spoil oil all over the kitchen. Okay. Well, I didn't whine about the oil baby. for fucking two days either. Yeah, because you weren't cleaning it. Oh. <laughs> Fucking Greco wrestle you to the fucking ground, bitch. <laughs> Smooth though, it's good. It's silver. I like it. I think it tastes great. <laughs> yeah, we'll just be. We'll, I'll be taking a few shots here throughout the the episode. I don't normally drink, but I think to this episode deserves it. Okay. I think you guys deserve it to be more honest <laughs> so without further ado if you would like to take one of our shots well you just can't have to go to the store 
or you can look at our myriad of shots that we've made over the past sex 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 years yeah that's six years <laughs> uh it's already hitting me uh <laughs> you can go to our horror shots section now but uh that's it for horror shots so now we're gonna go ahead and jump into our flesh and potatoes of Trog from 1970 and Shriek of the Mutilated from 1974. And we're going to go ahead and do that right now. All right, Christina, trog it up. All right. Trog was released September 18th, 1970. The original title. The Missing Link. A sympathetic anthropologist uses drugs and surgery to try to communicate with a primitive troglodyte who is found living in a local cave. Hmm. Channel 5 at 10. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. Oh. Uh, the tagline That's is... That's Fox News, right? <laughs> tagline is, from a million years back, horror explodes into today. Explodes. Explodes into the 70s. Yeah, you got all the taglines, right? No. You should get them. They're really funny. Yeah? Yeah, you should look it up. Here, I'll look it up. You, you tell me some. They got like really lazy with it because you could tell that they didn't really care about the movie after they made it. They're like, oh, God, what do we do <laughs> from a million years back? Oh, that's the one you didn't um, from the boiling rage of a world hurled back. One million years comes Trog. found one missing link and all the terror goes with it. That's obviously from the other title. Here's the one that they, they were just like, you know what? Nobody likes this film. Here comes Trog. You'll laugh at yourself for being so scared, but don't laugh at Trog. Okay. <laughs> it's like they just gave up. They're like, eh, fuck it. That was on the main poster, by the way. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching a, a interview or like a thing with uh, Mick Garris, and he, he was kind of just saying, he pointed that out. He was like, oh, God. You could tell that they were just having a laugh at it. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, directed by Freddie Francis, mostly known as a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, big one, actually. Yeah, his cinematography works includes the, the films The Elephant Man from 1980, Glory from 89, which he won an Academy Award for, and was also a cinematographer, Cape Fear, 1991. Yeah, the remake with... Uh... 91? Yeah. When, when did that originally come out? There was an original one uh, that came out in like the 50s or 60s. I don't... Yeah, Robert... Um, it's like way... Who did Taxi Driver? Why am I yeah. brain farting today? I don't know. Meet the Fuckers? Ben Stiller? Robert De Niro, for Christ's sake, <laughs> was in the fucking movie Cape Fear. We just rewatched the goddamn thing. I just... My brain did farts. I? And then I when I tried remember. to like link her, she's like... She's like, who? Ronald McDonald? Like, what? Pretty much. All right. <laughs> That's who you think of when I say yes. taxi driver? You said meet the fuckers. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I mean, I'm shit for not remembering, but come on. Anyway, I wanted to mention also that he did the a lot of Hammer films. He actually directed a lot of Hammer films. And uh, he also did The Elephant Man as the cinematography for that, which yep, was that. huge. Yeah, 
Well, I, it's hard to describe because like he did a lot of work with a lot of different people and a lot of people think he did a direction, but that's not true. He did a lot of cinematography. cinematography. Yeah. Sorry. I just was clarifying. Okay. Uh, written by uh, Ben Candle, Peter Bryan, and John Gilling. Uh, uh, ben did, uh, wrote Conga from 1961, Berserk mm. from 1967. Another Jim Crawford movie. That's what I wrote. And I was a teenage werewolf from 1957. That's right. Peter wrote The Hound of Baskervilles from 59. Baskervilles. Booby Trap from 57. The Projected Man from 66. And John did The Pirates of Blood River from 62. The Gamma People from 56. And Murder Will Out. Murder Will Out from 52. I don't know what the fuck that means, but okay. Mm -mm. Starring... My idol, Joan Crawford. Joan? Joan Crawford. Oh. You, you ever heard of her? No. Oh, okay. Well, she played Dr. Brockton in this film. It's a wonderful film, and we know her from Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. That's right. And? She, uh, she also did Straight Jacket, which I need to see, Berserk, which I need to see, and Academy Award winner for Mildred Pierce. Michael Groh, who plays Sam, he was Alfred in the Tim Burton Batman films. Right, yeah, that, what you're seeing, it's so young. Yeah, it's he even, so young. He even says puppycock in this, <laughs> Poppy in this cock. Movie, which I love that word, I don't know why. It's funny, but he was also in Conga from 61, Dracula from 58, mm. the Hammer film. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And he was also in Berserk, well, this too, is, this with is Joan a, Crawford. Right, and this is a British production, so that's why you're seeing a lot of the stuff like Hammer and all that stuff kind of appear, because these... We did. There was a lot of British productions that still did a lot of like you know U.S. like actors and stuff like that back then. Bernard K, who played the inspector, he was in Doctor Zagovo. Zagova. <laughs> Don't ask me, Christina. You uh, wrote it. There you go. It's from 1965. He was also in The Last Days of Pompeii from 84, and they be they came from beyond space. Sixty-seven. We also have David Griffin, who plays Malcolm. He was in Keeping Up with Appearances, The Battle of Britain, and The Song of Songs. Couldn't find a budget on this movie. I do know it was a low-budget film. I think this is back when they didn't really tell people. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I do know uh, Joan Crawford made $50,000 from this film. That's what she was paid, and it it had a good opening box office weekend i think it made like two million actually i can tell you right now it made almost three million. Oh, there we go well, for the first week yeah yeah, the first week only i'm sure when people saw it they're like don't yeah. go see this movie it was the number one top grossing film in the united states making two thousand nine hundred and fifty five hundred eighty three thousand. uh it was in its first week of release but after that i think it just tanked Right, because then people saw it for what it really was what, a stupid movie <laughs> a campy film what do you think about this movie? Uh, well, this is a wild film. I mean, I this is the reason that I wanted to watch the this do this episode was because of this movie mostly. Shriek of the Mutilated was just one that I decided to pop on after to like you know try to fit the bill you know of the right. of the of the campy the sort of thing. Yeah, in the seventies because I wanted to just try to stay in the seventies. You know, because 70s, I'm starting to get more and more used to, and there's a style about it that I like, uh, specifically the blood in in um. 70s films late 70s films do the blood a little bit better but you know like we watched let sleeping corpses die just for fun the other day remember it was like a couple months ago about the, about the zombies where the farm equipment like hums oh, okay, yeah. and it turns people into zombies somehow uh -huh. which makes no sense but it's just kind of fucking awesome 
Um, but yeah, I, I just, I have a thing for the seventies and I really wanted to kind of pick this one up just to check it out. And, you know, having Joan Crawford in it was definitely a bonus because she loves her and that makes her happy. And then the episodes go much better, um, because Joan's in it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, this is very low Z budget kind of, well, I wouldn't say Z budget, B budget film of the seventies. It was in mainstream cinema, but it was definitely not a movie that was made to be mainstream cinema. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of fans for Trog uh, because it was so different than right. anything else that would be on the main screen at the time, probably. But in the same regard, you know, because this is like about the time where a lot of sexploitation films and a lot of horror were kind of put together in some ways. Like horror was popular, but it wasn't like it was kind of faux pas. It was okay. like you didn't really do it. And sexploitation films were kind of the same thing. So you had to go and watch them at these like weird places and stuff. Although Britain and, you know, they, they did celebrate it as well. And the mainstream ones were good, too. But anything with extreme gore or anything like that usually was in the sexploitation kind of area. Mm -hmm. um, but this one doesn't have a lot of gore in it. There's a little bit of like blood and stuff in it, but... It is a just zany story about them finding a man in a cave who is a troglodyte, a trog for short, and he is uh, not really, you know, able to speak. He was frozen in something or whatever, and they find him and they try to reintegrate him into society for some dumbass reason, which makes no sense. And it's just sort of man's hubris against, you know, it's kind of like hitting two sides of like our society against each other mm -hmm. so there is a deeper message in the film it's just too bad that it's so you know campy right <laughs> so the, the message gets overlooked but you wouldn't know that with joan crawford because she plays this fucking super serious and she really does a good job at it she's the best thing in this film i think one mm -hmm. of them other than the funny trog running around and killing people consequently because he's scared <laughs> you know like okay but it, it is kind of funny because the mask that they use in this film is a directly literally lifted from kubrick's movie these uh, 2001. 2001 yeah didn't they pull it out of the garbage yes yeah, so that's what they said they don't know how they got it they stole it or <laughs> pulled it out of the garbage or something like that even the guy who wore it didn't even know he was just like it was a fantastic mask <laughs> it was like so um but yeah, I uh, I think it's pretty silly. I love the color and look of it because the film that they used back in those days, I don't know what it is, but it just... It's almost it's, like pastel. Yeah, it's very yeah. vibrant. I kind of love it. And that's why I love the blood in 70s mm -hmm. um, because it's like paint, you know? It's like this thick... It's really yeah. thick. And yeah. I love that because like the ones that did gore well back then, it really shows. Like it really gets kind of bloody. Some sloppagetti style fucking, you know, stuff. But uh, overall, this one, you know, it's a simple story. It's not real in-depth. Uh, it's pretty easy to watch. You could just pop it on and, you know, watch it all the way through. No problems. It has a deeper message. Joan is pretty fun. It's her last film, too. So, I mean, you know, it was kind of the worst film to go out on. But... <laughs> You know, that's kind of it's kind of Joan's life, right? You know, she was this amazing star and she ended up in all these like B movie fucking shitty films. Yeah, at the end. At the end. And uh, you know, that's kinda like how life is, you know. It's not it's not always perfect. <laughs> and neither was she, but she's still a legend. And uh I kinda liked it because of her in it, but I also kinda didn't like it because it was kinda eh, 
after a while, you kind of get used to some of the dumb shit that they're talking about, and it just kind of becomes repetitive. So nothing, exactly. it didn't feel like fresh all the time. Right. But the times I did like is when Trog gets mad. Trog no like when mad. <laughs> <laughs> and Trog speak like idiot. <laughs> he doesn't speak like that either. Like, <laughs> it's just. And it just yells. Yeah. <laughs> like a dog. No, it's weird too. Cause like when he mumbles, he's like. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But it was like high pitched. And then when he gets mad, he's like, oh! <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's fun. I think it's worth a watch if you've never seen it, just specifically for the the color of it. We uh, were able to rent it online for, what was it, $2.99 on Amazon? Yeah. So if you want to check it out, there's a copy out there that you can buy, but it's like really rare now because I think Scream Factory put it out and then it just, no one bought Disappeared, it. Disappeared, And yeah. then they didn't repress it because... What's if, the point? What's the point of repressing it if no one's buying it? Right. So it's one of those like truly lost gems now almost, but it looks beautiful on it. Like it really did look good. Yeah, it did. And some of the deaths were really funny, you know? Right. Like <laughs> everybody just dies suddenly too. It's not like, but then the people who are supposed to die don't. And then you're just like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't know. It's funny. If you like watching a dude wearing a fucking, just literally a long like chest cloth with a fucking monkey mask that its lips move like animatronic style almost. I don't know how they did it technically. I wish I I wish I had the extras to be able to to see mm-hmm. how the mask operated, or at least somebody talking about it. But but yeah, I'd probably give this one like a five out of ten. You know, it's right. it's it's so bad it's good in a way. It's considered to be one of the top one hundred Razzie films. You know, of like on cinema. Right. So, I mean, like, you know, you top so bad it's good films technically, but I feel like I've seen so many more, much better spoiled, you know, 80s versions of that. Um, even the next movie might even top it by a little bit here. So what do you think, though? Well, I wanted to see this movie because it was Joan Crawford's last movie, of course. And she talked a lot of shit about this movie and making the movie. And uh, there was a scene in uh, Feud, the TV show about her right. and Betty Page, or Betty Page, Betty Davis. <laughs> and uh, they, there was an actual scene of her making this movie, and she was drunk the whole time and, like, yelling at everybody. Right. <laughs> There's so many funny. fucking things, though, about her that are not true and not and are well, true, you so you know. just don't know. You don't know, because she probably thought she could get away with anything, even abusing her kids. And it's like, right. you can't. Well. You know, and now her legacy is is Mommy Dearest, right. you know, which that kind of No sucks. more hangers! <laughs> which, I God, I wish we would have watched that. I know, she's, I know, stop, stop. But overall, I mean, this this movie's really boring and it's slow and it, it, pick up, it picks up towards the end, but pretty much like everything you were saying, like all the good scenes were with when Trog was in there, but I mean, he really wasn't really in the movie. Um, the storyline was kind of like Frankenstein. I felt like they were trying to do a Frankenstein thing where he was like this monster and she was trying to to show everybody and prove that he could be tamed and this weird shit. Well, it, it's really kind of a play on, if you don't mind me saying, like that society is no more than just a bunch of murderous idiots. You know what I mean? It was yeah. trying to say a message about like, we're not really good. We're not civilized as we think we are. Right. If we're not willing to give this thing a chance. Well, whatever, because we don't need that message. We already know that. Give Trog a chance. That's what I'm trying anyway, to say. All I'm saying is give Trog a chance. It's funny because all the acting in it was really good. and yeah. like, Like from everybody. But the dialogue was like cringy and 
and pointless. <laughs> it was kind of weird. But the scenes, the, my favorite scenes too, were the ones with Joan, when Joan Crawford was running around with a gun, because it, it, she was like, it was uh, like up towards her chest. The it was train really gun, weird. Though, yeah, right? the yeah. train gun. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, but the costume, the costume for it's terrible. Oh my god, it was so bad. You could totally tell it was one of those monkeys. It is a cool mask. It but... looked like someone was just wearing a, a loincloth and yep. like, like like caveman booties and, and like... the, the paint on his body didn't even match. <laughs> like he didn't match at all. Yeah. Like to even think that was a real monkey mask. <laughs> if you don't monster. do the whole thing, it's gonna look silly. Right. But yeah, I was. <laughs> boring but campy i'll probably never watch it again but i do want to see berserk i do want to see berserk which was the movie before this with almost all the same people yeah which that was the one where she got really drunk on too right yeah both Supposedly. of them she did yeah well yeah. She, you know she was at that age she was in her 60s oh where you start drinking when, i don't really understand well no because you know she was alone and her right. life didn't turn out the, she didn't have any money it was funny too because I I did I looked at her salary for the movies and she went from making like two hundred five hundred thousand dollars to fifty thousand thirty thousand she was getting like a thousand dollars for TV I was like oh my god that that must be really well like yeah but tough. if you think about back then like what the uh, the rate is versus now. And how much she was making, you know? Oh, yeah, I know. But she went from really high to really low. That's the sure. point I'm trying to say. Right. But I gave us a three out of ten. Three out of ten. Three out of ten, huh? Well. It's boring. Yeah, I don't know. It's average to me as far as, like, so bad it's good. I laughed a lot. Like, I was laughing quite a bit. So, I don't know. I mean, the lowest I would go is 4.5. Well, good for you. Yeah. It's just average and just maybe a little below. But, yeah. So we get, um, let's see, three, so four out of ten from both of us on the BTV scale. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. <laughs> I think I think it's worth a watch still just because you can just see how cinema like went and jumped the shark. And uh, you can see famous people acting in roles that they shouldn't be acting in. You know, it's just kind of weird. It's like seeing Nicolas Cage, you know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just really weird. Um <laughs> But, yeah, we do have some trivia that we're going to go over now that is pretty interesting. We got some interesting stuff that I found. Um, but if you don't want anything spoiled, you can go ahead and rent it for two ninety nine. Uh, unless you own it, you might be able to get a DVD copy somewhere. But this is your warning if you don't want anything spoiled. So, at the end of uh, her life, because this was her last film, of course, Joan Crawford cited that this is the very worst movie she's ever made. It is almost universally hailed as an all-time camp classic, and this film marks the final silver screen appearance, of course, of Joan Crawford, as I mentioned, which her character, Dr. Brockton, and this is the thing I wanted to point out, at the very end of the movie, she walks away from the press at the end, which a lot of people felt was too apropos for Joan. Well, yeah. Walking away, this being her last film, but this, and she just kind of gave up. Because the oh, character gives up just oh, like that. Oh, the character gives up. Oh, so it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. it was like mirroring her life. Yeah. That so damn. it was a lot of people saw it as a, a scene as a metaphor for Crawford resigning herself to turning her back on Hollywood, pretty much. After that, well, she died six years later. Right, but they chewed her up and spit her out. That's the way she felt, and she felt like she'd always deserved more. Right. She did work hard. Oh yeah, she did. She might not have been someone's friend. Uh, but she used a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. But I'm just saying she, that's all she cared about. Yeah. You know, it was so herself, herself and, and acting. Yeah. That's it. Right. Not 
other actors or people. Anyway. Well, that's you know, you see a lot of rock musicians who are dickheads, too. Well, yeah, I Doesn't know. mean they're not talented. I know, for some reason. It's kind of weird. It's just, it's just the ego thing, you know? Yeah. It, it must drive you. It is. It's a, it's that's a what I'm dri- saying. Like driving he, force. If you aren't willing to step on a bunch of people, then you're not going to make it in this life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've come to realize, it's, you pieces of shit. It's always been like that, though. Yeah, I guess so. Guys, we need to be famous so we can prove them wrong. Go out there and share our podcast. All right? Thanks. <laughs> uh, anyway, I thought it was an interesting little ending there for that. It is. Uh, this is the film that is listed. Like I mentioned, it was one of 100 most enjoyably bad movies ever made in the Golden Raspberry Award founder John Wilson's book of the official Razzie. Razzies. Yep. And Joan Crawford, which when she did this film, was on her Pepsi tour. <laughs> so if you notice in the film, you'll see a couple of things of Pepsi that they had to put in the film as part of her contract. It was in a lot of films. Yeah. she. If Joan was in films. there, she was... Pepsi. Pepsi, yeah. She was owned by Pepsi for a little while. It was a big fun thing. No, it's because she married, she married, and then he died, and then she, like, got a chairman position on it. Right. So she, but she did demand product placement for Pepsi Cola in all her later films. And this one, there's villagers where they run past a Pepsi stand while fleeing Trog. Ah. So, um, supposedly, this film, now, in, in, in the show that is based off the book, that was written by her daughter. Mommy Dearest. No, the other book. Okay. One about Joan's life, not about Mommy Dearest. Not her, that her daughter wrote? Yeah, it was the, the one after, where she, she wrote it after her death. Right. Is Mommy Dearest? Yes. The book that her daughter wrote, one of the books or whatever, they've used as reference in the TV show Feud. And in the show feud, there's a scene where Joan Crawford does Trog and she's not too happy about being there. And she doesn't even realize that the movie's called Trog now. And they have like the discussion about, I watched the whole scene. Okay. I rewatched it. She, and a lot of people had said that she didn't even have a dressing room and that she had to dress in a, in a van or a car. In the, in the show, it was a van. In the, in the, in real life, supposedly it was a car or whatever that she had told her daughter that. But truthfully, she had an entire... Yeah, she had like caravan. Like a whole caravan that they would use to get people dressed up in. In fact, she was like, it was a part of her contract. But that was just classic Joan, right? She didn't right. like what she was being a part of, so she just made up lies about it and just made it out to be worse than it really was so that people would feel bad for her. Right. But yeah, I rewatched that whole scene, so it was kind of interesting to see that. Right. Yeah, I wanted to check that out because I was like, oh, there's there's a scene of her in Trog, about yeah, Trog, and yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. And and, and the, I watched it, and they show, like, her in the cell with Trog doing the doll and things, and it is exact. Mm-hmm. Like, even the mask, I don't even know how they did it, but the mask is immaculately the same right. as in the, sh- in the show. Right. I don't know how they did it, but everything looks identical. Satan. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. No, I'm telling you. But yeah, it just looked really spot on, man. I was like, holy shit, this is like exactly like it. John Waters actually did a thing at the BFI Awards or something like that where they showed some stuff and he had to introduce Trog, which he had not seen since he saw it as a kid. And he was like, I wanted to pick this movie to kind of watch it with you guys and talk about it. And they actually invited Joe Cornelius, who played Trog, to talk about it as well. Ah. And uh, John Waters was saying that he hated the books. He said he hated those little those little um, snitch books. What, that the daughter wrote? Yeah, he was oh. like, I hated those little snitch books because it was Joan Crawford, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> snitch books. 
snitch books. Yeah, he called them snitch books. I love John Waters. I know. It's so, it's so like him, too. Yeah. He's like, and you know, obviously he wasn't taken too seriously anyway because they did a fucking replay of it with fucking, with trans, uh, transvestites or something <laughs> like that he was talking about, uh, which was great. Um, he meant it in because obviously, if you know who John Waters is, he's notorious for using you know transvestites, transgender, trans you know just very open to uh, anybody People. performing in yeah. general, uh, in, including buttholes for Christ's sake. Uh, <laughs> it's in the, it's in Pink Flamingos. If you don't believe me, there's a talking butthole scene. That's the most infamous thing. I know it just in context, it didn't she, sound right. Yeah, I'm like Jesus Christ. She's like looking at me like I fucking said something wrong. It was the context. Anyway, Joe Cornelius though did say because John was like, so was she drunk all the time or what? Like you know, like what, what's true or not? He's like, I never saw her drunk. He said that, you know, she was extremely professional, extremely nice. In fact, he got Christmas cards from her every year until she died. Oh, wow. The the, the trog guy. Right. Got Christmas cards. That's nice. So that's crazy. I mean, she probably didn't know. <laughs> that's true. You know, she probably just it did it to kiss up, as like a kiss up thing, you know, because yeah. like that's how I see. Oh, yeah. She would always come up on set with gifts and shit because right. she wanted everybody well, even, on her side. Even her worst enemies, she would fucking do that too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she would, because she knew that she had to keep them right. somewhat close. Right. And that was the thing with everybody. They just, they, they loved, they hated to love her and they loved to hate her. That's how I feel too. Yeah. It's just, that's what it seems like. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but um, Joe also said that he didn't get to keep the mask and he wished he would have because it would be worth a lot of money <laughs> and he could sell it. And then John Waters had said, well, man, if you would have had that, we could have done a trog too. And he was like, yeah, that would be unfortunate. <laughs> and they all laughed <laughs> but yeah i don't that was six seven that was seven years ago when they had that interview so i thought it was really interesting talk that's about, cool yeah mick garris did some other thing that he talked about as well but it really just kind of went over everything that i already written so i was just like uh. but christina did you have any favorite scenes or anything in particular that you wanted to mention about this movie well towards the end when trog escapes he's like He's like running around the town and he like goes and he goes and he eats an apple and, the, and that whole the guy's that like, hey, whole, yeah, what are you he, doing? Oh my God, it's a fucking monkey. And man. then the butcher comes out and the butcher's like. With the fake butcher knife. Yeah, he's the, like, hey. And then Trog just like picks him up and. Chucks him. No, puts him up on the, the meat hook. Oh yeah, remember? Leatherface style. Yeah. Yeah, remember that? And this came out before. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so, you know. Yeah, the butcher next door grabs his cleaver and strikes Trog a few times because you see him bleeding. And then he grabs him and he gets meat hooked like Leatherface, which I thought was really pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Which, you know, was this the first meat hook kill? I meant to look that up. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I if, doubt it. I mean, it's, you know. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. But I think that the one with the Leatherface was just so intense for people. I think it was just so... The way she rides around, you know, but you know, is Trog Leatherface, and that's no. why he wears the human mask no. so he can look like regular day people. No. <laughs> I also thought it was funny because he flipped a car and then it just automatically like exploded. It just caught on fire. Dude, car. yeah, like what the fuck were they made out of back then? And then, and then he ends up on the playground with the kids. Oh yeah, and he yeah. finds a blonde haired girl, which and is just like her. his little toy dolly. Just like the dolly, and I, that's when I was like, oh Frankenstein, because oh was that Frankenstein? Yeah, because Frankenstein took the kid. Remember? 
Yeah, she she kind of knocks out in his arms and screams, and he takes her into the cave or whatever. Yeah, and then they're you know then you know well the mom's little... like freaking out you know screaming at the top of her lungs which you know I would have been like eh take her <laughs> just take her the funny part I always thought in the movie in this movie was is like first of all how serious Joan Joan played the doctor she was like really into it like yeah. and and the only one that matched her in that in that kind of acting was Alfred yeah the guy who played Sam. Murdoch Watson oh Murdoch yeah Sam Sam Murdoch Murdoch. yeah because he's always like trying to say kill the fucking thing (laughs) which which it's really funny but he's like the the like he's in the fucking courtroom and the judge has him removed and later that night Sam breaks into the lab and starts smashing the place up and unlocks the padlock on Trog's cage so that he can blame him which Trog goes outside and beats up Sam unconscious which I thought he was going to kill him but I guess he didn't and then it wakes up the others and he knocks everyone over and flees and they send out a half a half man party after him because you know he's half, half <laughs> he's <man>. half human <laughs> <laughs> sorry i had to throw that joke in there <laughs> but it is funny alfred's uh, role in this is like you need to kill that Wait, abomination what was his role like who the fuck was he what was he doing i don't know he wasn't a cop he wasn't a detective inspector wasn't he a mayor he what no he wasn't a mayor he was just a townsperson. That's what it said on the IMDb. He was just a townsperson. It's like, Weird. what the fuck? Like, he's just bitching. He's just running around bitching at everybody. You got to kill that thing. It can't be yeah, alive. He even, he even quoted scripture in it where he's like, he's like, in Genesis, it said to be a, of God in as we were perceived as if his visage or whatever. You know, what is that line? Vidges. Visage. Visagers. As you would look, I look or something. And I forget what they, the wordage is. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you forget about the, the second commandment. Thou shall not kill. And he's like, oh. And then he gets oh, all huffy and again. leaves. Yeah. He got trogged. <laughs> <laughs> you just got trogged. <laughs> he just mauls him to death pretty much. He doesn't really, he's not even a mean thing. He just like gets scared. And he doesn't really understand, you know, his strength, I guess. I, I don't know. The police know that like Sam, Alfred, you know, he comes back from the Batcave and like, they're like, Joan's like, dude. Sam fucking did it. You guys know it. He unlocked the fucking cage to make it look like him. We know that, but we still want to kill it. <laughs> and Joan pleads with them to let it go and peacefully before they, they anger Trog more, but they just want to kill it. And so she goes running in without him and then screams, Trog, no! <laughs> and then he jumps out screaming at her and she yells back, no, Trog! <laughs> give me the doll. And she's like, I want you to give me the child, Trog, please. So he gives her the child back, and he and she thanks him by touching his face, and it's Aww. almost like a, a goodbye, and he kind of knows it. So he goes to hide, and Trog is smart enough to know that they're going to probably shoot the shit out of him, and they do. Right. Which he falls on a fucking stalagmite or whatever the fuck. A spike. Is, is it stalagmite or stalagmite? It's a spiky spike. It's a, ca- it's a cave spike. Yeah, well, they, there's <laughs> ones up on the ceiling, they're called stalactites, and then the ones on the floor are stalagmites. Oh, I don't know. They're spikes. I'm pretty sure it's a stalagmite on the floor, but I could be wrong. Okay. So outside, of course, the we got to be introduced to David Warbeck, who is famous for being in a lot of Fulci films and a lot of Italian cinema. He was a British actor, of course, who was very young in this role, and he plays a, a, a like a journalist who's outside talking to everybody and asking Joan questions, and she just kind of pushes him out of the way. Uh, he was in From Beyond, if that helps anybody to recognize who that guy is, who uh, follows her into the void. 
you know, when they go and their eyes turn white at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> but um, he was in a ton of movies like Contagion and a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, um, I thought it was fun. I thought it's still fun. That's why I give it a five, maybe a 4.5. I think it's worth a watch. You can check it out, you know, and, and have a laugh. It's not going to be great, but it looks nice. And that's all that really matters to me. You know, it's just it look nice. It's weird. It's just one of those films you throw on every once in a while just for like, you know, to clean your palate. <laughs> you know, when you've seen too many supernatural films and you're like, okay, what do I watch? Well, Drog. Let's watch uh-huh. that. <laughs> anyway, we do have another movie to talk about, and that is Shriek of the Mutilated from 1974. It's about a group of college students that are led by their professor into the mountains in search of the White Yeti. The students start to be killed off one by one, but there's something else going on. What is it? Some of the taglines are, piece by piece by piece. The bodies vanish in shriek of the mutilated. <laughs> a corpse is bait in the trap of terror. Nice. It walks, it stalks, it talks, it walks. <laughs> <laughs> It tears the shriek of your throat. Oh, it tears the shriek out of your throat. Anyway, this is by director Michael Finlay, who has quite an interesting story. So if you want to stick around for the trivia, I'd highly recommend it. I had a lot of fun doing the trivia on this movie. The He did a series of movies called The Touch of Her Flesh, The Curse of Her Flesh, and The Kiss of Her Flesh, which were all done within a year of each other, which had not been heard of. You know, they did movies like that before, but this was kind of a rarity. Um, He also did Funk, The Slaughter, which he also wrote all of these. He had writers on this one, though, and that was Ed Adlam, Invasion of the Blood Farmers, Masters of the Grind, Blonde on a Bum Trip. Then we got Ed Kellner, Ed Keller, who did Primeval, Lurkers, which I actually have a VHS copy of that movie, which uh, is about a ghost in in an apartment complex. Really terrible movie. As I recall it, there's a couple of novels that he did also that turn movie. Um, one is called Madonna, a case of blood ambition and voodoo dolls. Some of the cast in this movie, we have Alan Brock as Dr. Ernest Prell, who didn't do anything else after this. We got Jennifer Stock as Karen Hunter, who went on to do God's Bloody Acre and Blood Sucking Freaks. Matter of fact, she was the girl that was on the rack in the movie that they were whipping. Okay. If you've seen the movie. We got Ton Ellis as Dr. Carl Werner, who kind of looks a little like John Carpenter. Um, didn't do anything else. We got Michael Harris as Keith Henshaw. Didn't do anything else. We got Darcy Brown, the redheaded girl with the glasses who played Lynn. She was in Diary of a Swinger, Dynamite, and Bacchanal. She also, uh, we also have Jack Newback, uh, uh, who played Tom, the musician, sarcastic guy, who was Invasion of the Blood Farmers, which we watched. Oh. He was the stupid guy. Okay. I don't That went around that. and was like collecting people. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's been a while. Uh I think you watched that with me, didn't you? I did. It's not a great movie. It was it like is I think not. I think we gave it like a four. Right. Yeah, there really wasn't too much money involved in like how they did it, but let's just say it was not uh the most expensive budget that there was. A lot of people call this that one of the trashiest films that have ever been uh put to the silver screen. So, uh, you know, it's one of those films. It's one of those camp classics. Christina. Yes. What did you think of Shriek of the Mutilated? I thought it was like a live action Scooby-Doo, but gone wrong. 
because (laughs) they had a group of kids, they had a van, they had a professor, and they had a mystery. And they would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for those darn kids. Yeah, those fucking darn kids. They would have (laughs) gotten away with it. Anyway, uh, it was funny. I actually enjoyed this one. I'm kind of surprised because I thought it was going to, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to. This is going to suck. This is the one that I was like, oh, God. Yeah, this is this gonna one's going to be hard to sit through. It was so much fun. And like just the way it was shot, like the movie was shot, like it didn't do like full scenes, like someone would trip and get their foot stuck. But you th- you would just hear them go, ah, and then all of a sudden their foot's in a rock. Like you don't see it like <laughs> happening. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and they didn't put a lot there of, was so many shots like that. Not a lot of logistics so they, put down they, in this but movie. But I thought it made it really funny. Yeah. I thought it was, it, it made it. It made it funny. There's uh, I, there's a twist in this, and I liked it yeah. because I wasn't expecting it. Okay. But if I would have read that tagline, I would have I would have expected it. I'm glad I didn't see that. This movie's a lot deeper than you expect. Yeah, yeah, it really is, especially towards the end. I mean, they kind of like build up this this yeti situation, and the yeti reminded me of the yeti from what was it? The stop motion animation. What is it? Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Oh, bumbles bounce. Yeah, it looks like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> was that Rudolph the Red, or was it? Yeah, it's Rudolph. Bo- abominable Snowman. Did he have abominable? Himself? He had his own movie, or no? no it's Rudolph the Red Nosed okay, Reindeer. Okay, it's Rudolph the Red. Yeah. Okay, I I meant to. Look he comes back at the end, like because he's like they become friends because he takes his teeth out and then he becomes docile. Oh, that's right. That's right. Turns I- out, bumbles bounce. <laughs> Also, there's an actual Karen in this. Her name is Karen. <laughs> and she's and freaking she out. acts like a Karen. Yeah. Which is funny because this is 1974, which is also the year Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out. Right. Which I thought was interesting. What I also... Did, wait. What I did not like... <laughs> there was a lot of cringy parts of the movie. Oh, yeah. Besides, you know, the, the normal, you know, you know, degrading women, slapping women when they get hysterical. <laughs> yeah. You know, sable, sable. Oh, my God. They had a... They had a Native American white guy. Who looks like a plumber named Frank. With zombie makeup on. It was horrible. I was like cringing the whole time. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. It was so bad. It was so bad. They weren't necessarily like, it's just, it's just offensive. It's not exactly like, they didn't like put their thumb on the scale to make it that much more offensive. Although they kind of do. Well, they kind of do, but I'm sure at the time. Yeah. Like, but now it was like, oh my God, what are they fucking doing? Like, yeah, what were it's we, terrible. What were they thinking back then? But anyway, oh my God, another thing I kind of got obsessed with, like, and then while I was watching the movie, the clothes. Yeah. The fucking 70s. I know, man. Was fucking awesome. <laughs> like, and then I just love the style of, the, they would just have very neutral colors and like a pop of color. Like, yeah. you would have the the polyester suit in brown with, like, a baby blue shirt on, which I just thought was so cool. And okay. then the girls, sorry. And then I know it's, like, so, like, not important. But then the girls, like, the makeup, it was just very natural makeup and then literally just blue eyeshadow, like a pop of color. Sure. Which, like, I was like, oh, that's that's cool. Why don't we do that anymore? I don't know. Well, also, it's 70s film, so it looks, like, colorful. Yeah, and it, it does. But it's not. It's just pops. It's pops of color. It's yeah. not like overwhelmingly, you know, mm. colorful. But yes, I did enjoy this. We do need to own it someday. Yeah. Vinegar Syndrome has a copy, but it is the only one that has a song in it, too, that's I'll be talking about. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Shriek. Shriek of the Mute. Never mind. Uh, six out of ten. Six out of ten. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of around there. I'll, I'll just say up front. I really did enjoy this movie a lot more. It, at first, I was like, oh, God, what are we getting into? But, you know, it actually right. kind of starts to flow a little bit better. And if you pay attention, it rewards you with some of the most cringy dialogue that you will find. Ever. And some of the worst acting just... It's terrible in a lot of ways, it really but it's is. awesome in the same respect because you're just like, nobody would act this way, <laughs> but that's what makes it so great. And that's why I think it is a so bad it's good film. It really, truly is. One of the earliest films I've seen that have been so bad it's good like that. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, the other film was good too in some some of those ways, but this one's just, there is so much stuff that happens. And I wrote so many fucking notes down yeah. because I just was loving all of the shitty dialogue and all the bad choices that everybody was making in the movie. Mm -hmm. So I had to write everything down and everything was a fucking joke to me. So this is one of those movies that's a super easy, so bad it's good to watch. Mm -hmm. If you have not seen this movie, you need to check it out because it's not that it's like a technical feat or that, I mean, the dude, it looks like a dude in a suit. Okay. The Yeti looks like a dude in a suit from beginning to end. There is at no point did I ever feel scared or threatened or thought that it was anything but a man in a suit. <laughs> but I played along because it's just funny. And some of the stuff that these characters did, man, I just cannot reason with the reasons they were doing these things, you know, right. like so stupid, like that they were playing along with all this stuff. And there was some cues that were dropped in this film to like, let you know about the uh, endings narrative that really kind of opens up and goes on for way too long. <laughs> but it's like, you're just kind of like, holy shit, this is, it's like Saw or something. You know what I mean? Like there's some like deep levels of fucking like orchestration of like this whole fucking thing that's going on here and like how this Yeti belongs in it and like how everybody dies and what they're doing with the bodies and everything. And mm-hmm. it's, it's so goddamn stupid and so goddamn silly Right. But it's it's like this little piece of America that's like carved out of the 1970s. And it kind I kind of love it for that reason mm-hmm. because there's just some stuff that we don't do in films anymore in it. So it's even more fun to watch because you just like you know people are alive. <laughs> right. But, but the gore actually does kind of look kind of decent in it, you know. I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like they do some stuff in it that I was like, "Oh, hey." Um, you know, it looks like dawn of the dead and some of the makeup you know mm-hmm. they they kind of blew up their face a little bit you know it's just one of those things that they did back then not as blue as like the zombies in dawn of the dead but i think we all have forgiven that movie for that because it's just so goddamn good right except for christina she doesn't like it it's boring i love it boring. i can watch that movie in the background all the time remake all day i literally fuck no the first is the best Mm-mm. uh anyway does this movie have any substance to it? Not really. It, it tries to have some sort of message in it, but doesn't really make much sense. It's uh, it's just kind of like absurd and ridiculous and the characters go through, you know, I don't know. Like the, I, the dialogue is just wild enough to watch on its own. The, the action is really not that great. It's kind of stupid. And I don't know. It just feels like a homemade movie, but it's also kind of like not. It kind of feels like it's a... Uh, Like they put some real thought into it. It's just not shot from every perspective that you're used to seeing in movies these days. So it kind of feels like a play in some regards where they have a static camera and they do close up shots occasionally, but they're like from the same spot. They Mm -hmm. just zoom in kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of weird how they do it. But yeah, I would probably give this a six out of 10 as well. 
definitely a step up from Trog, and that's why I'm kind of like on the fence with the 44.5 because I definitely had a much better experience with this movie than I did the other. And I think mm-hmm. it's just because there's just so many what the fuck moments in this film. There's a, a catchy song that they use in it too that I can't get out of my fucking head now. And I got a bunch of trivia on that, by the way, too, because mm-hmm. I had to look it up. <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, I would highly recommend picking up a copy. If you can get a copy of Vinegar Syndromes, um, I would highly recommend getting it if you can, um, if you're a collector, especially. But I really like this movie and I would I really wish I would have gotten a copy when it came out. Um, it is on YouTube. You can watch it there. It's like a three three sixty p low grade version, but it's it's decent enough to watch. There's no other way to watch it. Unfortunately, we mm-hmm. tried searching all over the place, and you can only buy the Vinegar Syndrome copy. So, um, but yeah, and if you can, like I said, I would definitely pick it up. Right. So I agree. If anybody wants to donate it, I will uh, blow you live on the episode. Ew. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Gross. Anyway, well, how do you know? We don't even know if they can be blown. So, you know, I'm just making assumptions. I don't want to be here. <laughs> You're going to videotape. Uh, no. <laughs> She's going to be cucking me. <laughs> anyway, I'm just teasing. Anyway. <laughs> Christina is so mad at me right now. You have no idea. <laughs> anyway, so... You give it a six, I give it a six. It gets a six out of ten on the so bad it's good scale, right? Right. Yeah, definitely one hundred percent. Yeah, like it's definitely a much it's a definite step up from the last. It was just um, fun. It really is. It's not a, the greatest thing I've seen, but it is a lot of fun. So if you have friends over, you can watch that movie and have a blast. So But yeah, we do have some trivia on it, and uh, I'll go into that now. We have of course, like I said, you can watch it on YouTube. There's two copies up. I'd pick the one that has the, I think it's like an hour and 27 minutes, mm-hmm. not the 26 minute one, because this might have a little extra in it. And it has the song. That's the one that has the song. Oh. So you want to watch the, the one hour and 27 minute one. Surprisingly, Trog felt like older, longer than this movie, and it was shorter. Right. Which yeah, is it felt crazy. way longer. Yeah. If you don't want anything spoiled here, is your warning. So some of the critics that have uh, talked about this movie, some of the big ones like TV Guide, they called the film one of the all-time worst, but the unintentional laughs may make it worth a look for those who can't stomach inept filmmaking. On uh, his website, Fantastic Movie Musings and Ramblings, David Sindler wrote, though it doesn't quite reach the same levels of Invasion of the Blood Farmers, which I personally like this a lot better than Blood Farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, it still earns its place in the annals of bad moviedom, and it gets weirder as it goes along. James J. Edwards from Film Fracture gave the film a positive review, writing, like most of the quickly produced true-life creature movies of the 70s, Shriek of the Mutilated is very low budget and looks every penny of it. Still, it's not without its charms, and for those who love a good laugh to go along with their shock, it's essential viewing. We also have one from Graham Clark. The spinning image gave the film three out of 10 stars, stating that the film was good for trash fans with a sense of humor, but a no-go area for those with a low tolerance for shoddiness. The Terror Trap awarded the film 1.5 out of four stars, writing, while it's true that some low-budget drive-in horrors are capable of generating some uniquely creepy vibes, unfortunately, Shriek is an ineffectual cough that never rises to the occasion. Hmm. 
apparently they shot this whole thing in Westchester, uh, Westchester County, uh, New York, in uh, Cronton on Hudson and Yorktown. There's some filming that took place in New York City. The uh, film's opening campus sequence was shot on location at Fordham University in the Bronx, and the campuses Keating Hall and Edwards Parade appear in the opening sequence of the film. The uh, party sequence that appears early in the film was shot in an apartment in the city, by the way. Now, the director, Michael Finlay, had a wife named Roberta. They were both very infamous for creating numerous low-budget Z movies in the 1960s and in the 70s, of course. And they've been described as the most notorious filmmakers in the annals of sexploitation. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did a lot of sexploitation films in the beginning. It's probably why there's an undertone here. Right. Okay, that makes sense. You know, even though he didn't write it, they probably wanted to shoot it, so he probably had some touches in there. Right. You know, um, he also uh, produced what they call roughies, which were early slasher films, which combined conventional horror or thriller stories with like a sadomasochistic sex scenes for the grindhouse market. And sometimes he would direct under the alias known as Julian Marsh. And he would even act in his own film, billed as uh, Robert West. His wife, Roberta, a.k.a. Anna Riva, was the cinematographer, co-writer, and supporting actress for many of their films together. And they also employed the same actors often a lot. Michael Finlay actually developed a camera, like a 3D portable 3D camera that he wanted to do for his film called Funk from 1976. He invented a camera that when he was accidentally killed in a helicopter accident. He was actually on his way to Paris to meet potential financial backers of the camera and was holding a test model of the invention, which uh, I'll tell you all about this. So it was on the rooftop of the Pan Am building in New York City when he was killed, May 16, 1977. He was on his way to the John F. Kennedy Airport to connect with a Paris-bound flight. And Michael Finlay was planning to demonstrate this camera, like I said, in some backers in France and Finlay and three other passengers were about to board the helicopter when its landing support collapsed. So the helicopter literally fell on its side while the rotor blades were spinning at the, at the about, you know, as they were about to leave and it decapitated Finlay and literally just, Oh my God. Disintegrated everybody. There was like three other passengers who were slashed to death as the spinning rotors detached and disintegrated everybody. Dude, helicopters are scary. Did you see? Yeah, they are. Yeah. There is a there was also a woman on the street below who was also killed when she was hit by a detached rotor blade that hit the oh fucking my thing. God. Yeah. It's like what the that fuck? That scares me. So four people died in that accident, which it's crazy because he was decapitated, right? Which if you don't know this, in the very beginning of the film. Yeah. Did you see that part? Uh, yeah, I did, because I was like, what the fuck just happened? It makes no goddamn sense. It didn't make a lot of sense. I was really confused. I watched it three times because it's so like it's like five seconds long. Do you think he was, like, predicting? I don't know, but that's what I was about to explain. So, in the very beginning of the film, you see a woman who's blindfolded, and she somebody swings, like, an axe at her neck, and it decapitates her, and her head goes into the pool, and a man is smiling, looking at her, like, surprised, and that is Michael Finlay. So, prophecy? I don't know. It wasn't his head. Yeah, but it was literally, like, four years later. Yeah. In the, like, in, what in, the fuck, dude? In the credits, he was billed as, uh, get this decapitation onlooker (laughs) yeah a little too close to home yeah i'm a little freaked out right now the society was like this is what you get this is what (laughs) you know some christian outfit you know (laughs) or the southern baptist around at that time the 
What were they called? Westboro. Westboro. Yeah, Westboro Baptist. Because those motherfuckers were like looking into like how to make fucking like claymores and shit like that to try to like put on their front lawn so that if anybody tried to crawl into it, they would get, you know, <laughs> eviscerated by a claymore. God. Anyway, Finlay's breakthrough film was the touch on her of her flesh from 1967. Uh, the tale of a cuckold. Which we were just talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's why you said that. I mean, that's probably why it was fresh in my brain. Yeah. Um, he's a gun dealer named Richard Jennings, played by Finlay, who is disfigured in a car accident after finding his wife in bed with another man. In recovery, Jennings comes to generalize his hatred of his wife to promiscuous women in general. After he is released, Jennings goes on a killing spree, murdering prostitutes and strippers with a variety of unique implements, including poison-tipped rose thorns, blow darts, a crossbow, a scimitar, and a buzzsaw. The film, which included numerous non-sequitur sequences of sadomasochistic sex, was unique for its time, and of course, most exploitation films up to that time had either exhibited graphic sex or graphic violence. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was unique. But never, you know, the two, you know, so... Uh, but Finlay's combination of these elements would pre presage the slasher films of the 1970s, which freely mixed the two elements in a more mainstream medium. However, Bava, of course, did Mario Bava, was also considered to be one of the fathers of slasher cinema or, you know, in general. Right. Because a lot of the, the 80s, 70s and 80s directors looked at his movies and got that from him. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but they had two sequels to that movie. They got really popular and Finlay continued to make films about sex and violence with a couple of other films like a thousand pleasures and the ultimate degenerate, which was largely a remake of body of a female. He went on to make more horror movies towards like the beginning of the seventies, mostly which this film was released in on DVD by retro media entertainment in 2003. And the DVD does not feature the popcorn song, which I've been talking about because of right issues, rights issues, which this is the problem we have with a lot of Bollywood films because they have these songs that are owned by a different organization. And they just like borrow the songs mm -hmm. to play in the movies. So a lot of times when you watch Bollywood films, they don't include the song. That print went out and then Vinegar Cinder picked it up with the song intact and was able to get the rights to it, uh, which is made by Gershon Kingsley. It's called Popcorn. And it was uh, there was another version, many different versions of it. The one they use in this film is called Hot Butter. That's right. Popcorn. Popcorn. Yeah. Which is a little bit more poppier. Um, huh. Gershon Kingsley was the world's. This is technically the world's first electronic hit single to top the charts in 1969. Literally, everybody was so fucking happy. I was reading people who said that they remembered it coming out. Like, I was, like, looking through all the, like, stories people were talking about the song and how they hated it or loved it. Uh -huh. and, and it's, like, just it won't leave your head. And I think that's why a lot of people hated it because it was so different from anything that was out on the radio. Mm -hmm. And it just stuck in your head. And I'll explain why. Because he was really good at this kind of stuff. He was born in Germany. His father was Jewish. His mother was Catholic. So he was half Jew, as he said. He knows uh, he was known for writing fantastic religious music, supposedly. Huh. And he said, I think that's funny because I'm an atheist. <laughs> and he did. He actually started out doing like commercials for like products, mm -hmm. which is come on that song. Do, 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 do. 
Okay, got it. Okay, I just want people to get an idea so they can do it because I can't play it. Right. Anyway, uh, he did stuff for Coca-Cola and other places. He went on to do movies later on. He was actually a really good musician, not just like a run-of-the-mill kind of guy. He loved music so much, and in 1969, he met Robert Moog. Okay. Oh, the the, the synthesizer. The yeah, the guy who created the uh, you know, a synth empire. He was an American engineer and an electronic music pioneer. He was the founder of the synthesizer manufacturer Moog, which Moog Music, by the way, and the inventor of the first commercial synthesizer called the Moog synthesizer, which debuted in 1964 and all the way up into 1970. He did the Mini Moog, which was the most popular one. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time when Gershon met him, he said, oh, man, I love your machine. You know, how much is it? And he was like, oh, uh, thirty five hundred. So three thousand five hundred dollars. That's about thirty five thousand dollars in today's money. That's Christ. And he turned to his wife and she said, just get it. <laughs> just get it. That was all the money he had. Oh, wow. And he made this hit with it. Oh, so it got them all back. I mean, he made decent money. You know, he was doing these commercials and stuff, commercial music and stuff. Mm-hmm. And nobody was making music that much like that back then. Come on. Right. So I'm sure he was, uh, you know, making pretty decent money. But it was the it was the last bit of his money and he did make it back. Uh, someone while he was writing the song, he said he came up with a song in like minutes. It was just like, oh, I just did a melody real quick. And I was like, dun, 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 dun. and I was like, oh, that that sounds neat. He said all the greatest hits are made in five minutes. Anything else, if you spend too much time on it, like if you try to come up with a melody that you work and craft on it for days and months and hours on end, he said, those are the ones that never do good. It's the ones that you do off the top Top of your your head, off the top of your head that just flow. Right. That stick. Right. Um, Which I thought was really interesting. Kind of explains our second album. (laughs) Because we put a lot of time into the second album. Like three, three, three or four times as much. And it didn't do as well as the first. Well, it actually did better than the first album, but we didn't get as much buzz as the first album did, which we wrote in a hurry in like two months. (laughs) Goes to show you he's right. You know, someone was like, he's like, oh, fuck, I don't know what to call it after they recorded it. And he was like, uh, someone said, uh, popcorn. And he was like, ah, I like that. That's a good one. And he was like, uh, not like the food you're thinking. He means like pop, like pop music. Right. And corn, like kitsch. Right. Meaning the German word for kitschy. Right. Which is like low value, low brow, often poor quality taste. (laughs) So he was like, oh, (laughs) like, what the fuck? Okay, whatever. (laughs) And that song went and made a lot of money. There's been so many different versions of it and everybody's played it in in comedy shows to everything. I even looked it up on TikTok the other day. Oh, yeah? Just to see who was talking about it or using it in their videos. Yeah. So I'll definitely post some stuff on TikTok because I can use music there so you guys can hear it. So if you ever if you ever want to check out our TikTok, I highly recommend it. I'm going to start trying to post more stuff there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting, like what he was talking about. Loved watching. It was just like five minute interview with him. And it was just kind of a quick history of the whole fucking thing. And man, people really were loving that song. Oh, man. Wow. I watched a couple of videos of people. You know how they used to do in the 70s and the 60s, guys, they would do a TV show where people would dance to new hits on the radio. And they would like sometimes premiere at these places. Like we had Soul Train back in the day uh, in America. And there was other ones in like England and 
England was like popping scene back in the 60s and 70s for this stuff. Uh And so it would just show people dancing to it. And I found a video of them talking about this song and people dancing to it. So the original version, not the like hot butter one that's in this movie. Oh, okay. Anyway, I just wanted to share it with you guys because I thought it'd be fun. But that's it. That's it for all the trivia. Um, Now we can talk about the movie and uh, what you think of it. Uh, I got a scene that I want to bring up in the very beginning. Yeah. Is it from the party? Yes. (laughs) So the movie kicks off. We have that blindfolded lady. We told you all about that. It jumps to another time. And we don't know what that beginning thing is. They never really clarify it. Obviously, it has to do with the end of the movie. Like, this was what they did beforehand. It was like... Oh, see, now that we kind of know what the movie's about, though, I thought it was referring to the first group of people who... I went. think it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the, the the previous group. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's a group of students that are all friends. One of them has to go to dinner with the professor who was telling them about the Yeti. He wants them all to go on this, like, trip to hunt the Yeti on this island called Boot Island. And uh, one of the guys goes to dinner with him, and they go to this place where they eat a special meat. And I'm like, what is it, Yeti meat? Like, what are they doing? Like, he's like, oh, this is a special place, Keith. And you are a man of quite wonderful tastes. And I think you'll fit in just nice here. And uh, I'll have two of the special, you know, and he orders it and he eats it. He's like, yeah, that was pretty good, actually. I really like it. And I'm like, what are they eating? Like, what's, 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 what the fuck are they eating? Anyway, it cuts to the song of hot popcorn, the butter, hot butter popcorn, mm-hmm. and the song's playing, and the party's, like, popping, you know? Like, everybody's, like, literally getting into it, and it's, like, really fun. <laughs> and this old man walks in with this young girl who apparently was a teacher, a professor that went on a vacation trip with Dr. Prell, their professor, who wants to go hunt the Yeti. Only he did this the year before and he lost his mind. And so they just let him work as a janitor, like a janitor there because he was crazy. And he starts having a seizure or something at the at the party and starts yelling. Mm-hmm. And he's like, because one of uh, Lynn, the one of the girls that's in the class, this, this redhead girl with glasses goes up to him and goes, oh, hi, uh, Spencer. Sinclair. Was, since S- Spencer Sinclair. He's like, how you doing? You know, hey, Dr. Prell is uh, taking us on his uh, one of his adventures. I heard you went on one of them and before. And then he like freaks out. He's like, what? Wait, tomorrow? You're not supposed to be doing that. You're going tomorrow? What the fuck? Why? And it's like he's escaped this really horrendous thing that he just doesn't want to talk about for some reason. And I, I they, they kind of explain later on why, but it doesn't really make any sense. They, they did do a really quick black and white flashback of Spencer getting attacked. Yeah, the flashbacks were terrible. Yeah, but... it was horrible. <laughs> but... Then uh, Spencer Sinclair went. They went home. He went home with his girlfriend, and then he like tried to kill his girlfriend. Oh, this is bizarre. This is the part this I was is into. Bizarro. Yeah. So this like is he bizarro. freaks out at the party and he starts yelling at everybody. And then like um, Karen, the girl that's in this movie, was like, "What had happened? You know? Oh, terrible things. I can't even remember her talk about. Like it's like what? Why, why would you not be able to talk about it? And then so like Spencer." Goes home with his wife and she's kind of putting up with him because he's like going crazy. And you can tell she's just like kind of like done with it. And he gets mad at her and cuts her fucking throat in the living in the kitchen. Yeah. Because she goes to grab he goes to grab alcohol and she doesn't want him to drink. So she smashes it in the thing and then he cuts her throat with like (laughs) one of those fucking turkey cutters. Oh, yeah. The electric turkey. cutter. No, no, no. It's just a straight knife. Oh. And she's like. She lives, and he goes and well, takes. Well, no, he goes and he takes a bath. He didn't think she was alive. Right, he goes and takes a bath, but she lives and comes in, 
and and is crawling across the floor bleeding with a, with a toaster. Yeah, and just pushes it in after plugging it in. Yeah, they show her plug in the toaster, and then yeah, just throws it in the bath <laughs> with them. It's the most bizarre. That was a big thing in the seventies, though. Was the the toaster in the bath? Who taught them that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it was just a really the fact that they like showed her crawling from the kitchen all the way to the bed the bathroom yeah it was weird and then him how he died and stuff was kind of funny it's Mm -hmm. like he's screaming the whole time which would never Mm -hmm. happen by the way i guess the next day the old gas station guy is there and they stop on the road and he's the you know the typical trope of horror you know don't go down that road (laughs) you know and and they're like what's uh yeah we're going to boot island he's like are you taking those women with you the hell are you thinking (laughs) he's like what are you doing and he's like oh you know I don't try to talk about things and tell people where to do with their lives, but, you know, that just seems kind of dangerous. You look after those women or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'd warn you, but you'll go anyways. So <laughs> he's like, they just kind of ignore him. And he was right. <laughs> They're always right. You know, like, don't go down that road. <laughs> and they cross this bridge to go on the island, of course. And it's owned by a man named Carl Warner, who looks like like a young John Carpenter. <laughs> like the hair is almost identical in a way it's just weird not exactly just he kind of does right he's got the mustache he's got the hair he dresses like fucking john carpenter did back then it's it's wild <laughs> um prowl's like did you see it did you? he's like no i heard it wow is, is it true that the yeti's out here <laughs> and the acting is so bad. It is pretty. It's but it's fun though. It's like they're not taking it too seriously. Yeah, like they're having this side conversation as loud as possible next to all these other characters who just don't really hear too too much. Mm-hmm. They just kind of overhear it, and um, that's when we get introduced into. Go ahead. You remember his name? No. Oh, you want me to tell it? Yeah. Laughing Crow. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. So there's. That's the same. I didn't write it down. Uh, I was so. I was so disturbed. I could I could barely. It even is watch. pretty offensive. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. So there's this girl, Karen. She just goes walking out and she walks around this like building, and this guy's chopping wood, and she thinks he's coming at him because of course he's Native American, and they all want to murder her because she's white. <laughs> and she freaks out and runs into Carl Warner, and he's like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And she's like, "Oh, he's got an axe. He's gonna kill me." And he's like, "Oh." That's just my Indian. <laughs> oh my God. Like, what? Like, yeah, because all white people have an Indian. He, he, yeah, he owns him, I guess. Jesus Christ. Uh, but, but, like, seriously, dude looks like Frank, you know, Caprioni, you know, down at the local pizzeria who fucking... Yeah, he totally looks like this Italian <laughs> New Yorker. Yeah, like, he looks like some fucking New Yorker, you know, wearing a fucking Indian headdress. And a fucking axe with his shirt off with his nipples all glistening in the fucking sunlight. <laughs> anyway, apparently he's got no tongue, so they, they play with that a little bit. And my God, can I tell the other part about him or do you want to say it? Oh, you go. Because after this, you, it's your turn to say something, but I got I got to say this. They try to explain what happened to his tongue. They don't really say because he just kind of like makes weird faces and shit like he's trying to explain stuff and it's like the worst dude like it's not only offensive to native people like indigenous people but deaf people or or you know mute people as well right like and it's it's really bad there's this scene where warner is explaining how the yeti scared laughing crow so much 
that he was, you know, he lost. They cut out his tongue muscle is what he says. Oh, my God. Because he went back to his tribe and they didn't believe him. and They thought he was crazy. So they cut out his tongue muscle. And uh, and then and then like while he's telling the story about the Yeti to this redhead girl, which he's trying to hit on, by the way, directly after her friends is dead, by the way, mm-hmm. like he, they, they think he's dead because he's been missing all night. He is pantomiming in the background like I don't know what the fuck. He looks like he's having a goddamn seizure, but he's like pretending to tell the story in Native American style, but like also mute person. And it is highly offensive and highly hilarious as well, dude. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is the worst pantomiming I think I've ever seen. And he's making faces like he's like there's he's not all there. Okay, so that's just another like a triple whammy right there all in one little performance like like he's like mentally not there. (laughs) And I'm like, Jesus Christ, how much further can we go with this fucking this guy? You know, apparently he's a cook, too, and he cooks special dishes, which happened to be a head a head later on. But human beings. Yeah. There's this part where that Tom guy goes to this abandoned house thing. Yeah. And this is when we first see the the Yeti. But it's funny because he's like walking around looking for stuff. And there's a piece of wood like banging up against the thing. You can oh. see you can see the string of the wood. Yeah, because they tell this story about how like they really like overdo the story. Like whenever they've heard the Yeti, they've heard a thump, 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 thump. Thump thump, and so right. at the, and any time they hear the yeti getting close, they'll hear a heartbeat in the woods, and they don't understand why. And so when he hears the wood against the thing, he thinks it's the heart. Right, and then the yeti actually shows up, and it's it's this guy in this white fuzzy dog costume, oh my God. running around and jumps on him and shit. And then like it, it it does those shortcut things that I was talking about. So it it scratched his face, but you didn't really <laughs> see him scratch his face. It looks like someone took a paintbrush. Yeah, and then somebody just like ran their their wet fingernails over his face. It doesn't look like it's even cut. Yeah, it doesn't. But yeah, that was funny. Yeah, so like he's mauled to death. And then later on they find his leg. (laughs) Which they use as bait in this movie. And it's so fucked up, like how they treat the dead people in this movie. And how how the others just kind of accept it. Right, they just use him as bait. <laughs> Karen uh, goes out in the middle of the woods by herself, I guess, and then finds Tom's leg and screams. And then, you know, of course, Mr. Warner is flirting with Lynn some more, and she goes outside for some reason into a greenhouse and screams where she finds his body. And she then runs because she hears the Yeti. And this is where she got her fucking dumbass foot stuck in between two rocks. In the middle of the forest where there is no rocks. Like, we're like, and it looks really bad. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Like, all she had to do is literally walk back the way she was walking mm-hmm. from, and she would have gotten out of it. But no, she makes it look like the most insane, like, like it's that movie where the guy gets his arm trapped in between the two rocks. Right. 27 right. or whatever. <laughs> what? 27 hours? That one for James Franco's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad and then she gets mauled to death which is a really funny death they end up using her body later on too which is funny too because like there's a moment where Prell is like 
they like orchestrate. They have to sit down in the house and discuss every time someone dies instead of like going out to look for somebody and find them or, you know, call the police or do anything. They just sit and have these conversations about what they should do and <laughs> with tea or something, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, they just sit there and, and while Karen, she lives up to her name, of course, har har. And, uh, she wants to leave and she starts screaming and freaking out. And this is that kind of movie. So like Dr. Prell slaps the shit out of her mm-hmm. and says, do you know what people will say behind my back? And she's like, everyone's dead. You fucking <laughs> idiot. We need to leave. <laughs> and like, they haven't even used the phone yet. They don't even decide to use the phone to call the police yet. Right. But then when they do, the phone will work. Oh, yeah, the phone doesn't work. That's right. And she's like, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, Dr. Prell, because everybody's safety is more important than is not as important as your fucking weird, like, everybody hates me. I got to prove them wrong. Bullshit. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Which wasn't even the, the point. Which they use Lynn's body as bait in the greenhouse and, and like they put like a piece of like Tom, his meat on a bear trap. Like, I'm like, that's not how you do a bear trap, by the way. <laughs> like, it's not, you don't just lay this is it. It's a like, Yeti trap. It's not a fucking mouse trap. You're not fucking setting it on the fucking, the actual trap. Like, you're supposed to hang the meat up above and then the bear steps on the goddamn trap. That's how you work a fucking bear trap. They just put the meat right on the bear trap, right? Isn't that, right. It's the wrong way to do it, right? I don't know. It's not like bear. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking tied, about. Uh, Tom's body to a tree. They tie Lynn's body oh, to Lynn's a tree. Body, and this is the part that reminded me of Dawn of the Dead, because she's got her eyes open, and she reminds me of that Hare Krishna in Dawn of the Dead, where they like his eyes are open. Oh, I don't remember. The zombie Hare Krishna? I don't remember. The one that goes in and tries to... The original? Tries to kill Flyboy's girlfriend, and she's like, don't you ever leave me alone again, and I want to learn how to fly that helicopter in case one of you fucking dies. (laughs) And then he gets all mad at her for being like... uh, like, like, Yeah, like actually a smart woman. And he's like, huh, you bitch. How dare you make me look like a woman? (laughs) Uh... What else is there, Christina? Oh, there was a weird scene where Karen had a dream. Oh, like, yeah. That was stupid. Like she like, saw Tom's pointless. body in the greenhouse or something? Yeah, so she, then again, she wakes up freaking out again. And that was a weird little Because he was like, there. he goes, oh, uh, she's like, I went through the cellar. I didn't go out there. She's like, you didn't leave here. You didn't go anywhere. It must have been a dream. And she's like, no, I went out there to find Lynn's body because I was going to hide it from you guys because I didn't want you to use her body as bait. Right. And then she's like, and that's when I found Tom's body. But eventually she she wakes up again and she's in the room alone. And then the Yeti comes through the window. That's right. And it's just like the door was locked, but then it was unlocked. So she got out of the room. Right. And then she goes into the bathroom and the shower is going and she... There's like nobody that in the shower, weird, but the yeah. shower's going. It's like, okay. I think it was like a nod to um, Psycho. Oh, okay. Because, you know what I mean? Like, maybe? I don't know. But uh, eventually the native guy comes in to get her, and he has the zombie face on. Right. Paint on, and he comes in with a knife. And then, uh, and then yeah, the Yeti gets Karen, and they walk downstairs. Well, you know why, right? You and- know why he was at, dressed up like a zombie, right? 
No. Because they had to scare her to death. They wanted to scare her to death. Oh, that's the so they could eat her. That's right. They didn't want to kill her, so that it was like it was like their way of killing a deer. She did get scared to death because I thought her death scene was weird because she just kind of tumbled over and like fell asleep. Right. She gets chased by the Yeti a bunch of stuff. Then she goes in the bathroom. She looks in the in the shower and the shower's running. She doesn't understand why. And then she goes to hide in the cupboard where the towels would be. And that's where she finds Crow. And then Crow's like, like looking stupid. And then he gets up and starts walking towards her. And then she falls on the ground and dies of a heart attack. Right. So I guess. So then Keith shows back up and there's a bunch of people at the dinner table. Yeah, people from all around the world. Right. That show up. And then that's when we find out it's, there is no Yeti. It's a cult. It's a cannibal cult. Well, yeah, because he finds speakers out in the woods while this is all happening. He gets knocked out and then wakes up and then hears the heartbeat. And Crow was playing this record or this tape with a heartbeat. And there was some sort of circus music on it. He'd gone too far past the tape, and he wasn't supposed to let it do that. And uh, he, and then uh, he does, and that's when Tom or uh, Keith is like, oh, it's all a ruse. So he goes running back to the house and sees all these people at the table, and they're like, ah, oh, join us, Keith. Yes, join us. He's like, where's where's Karen? They wheel her out on a... <laughs> on on a, like a, 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 gurney? a table. Yeah, like, like a table gurney, because she's the next meal. Yeah, she's the main course. Yeah. He tries, he tries to talk to them, and he's stupid as fuck. He cannot figure out what's going on. It takes him, like, a good five, ten minutes of Prell talking about Saturnalis and how they've been doing this for years, and they use Yeti as, like, a means. And then they all started attacking him with forks. Yeah, they started stabbing him with forks, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I was like, they don't kill him. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, because then they said, join us or join Carrot. Yeah. And then, then, then that's when you see him eating. They start slicing open his girlfriend and you see his face and then it cuts. Yep. And then it's, hello, my baby. Hello, my honeys. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, that like Dr. Prell talks about like this whole organization for like this five, 10 minutes and like how everything happened, how they all planned it and how they have to pass the torch to someone new. And then it was his year to do the honors of like, you know, killing everybody and his his plans to kill everybody. And uh, they would both wear, they have two suits. So Dr. Prell would wear a suit and so would Warner. And so they both kind of like would like do it. But mostly Warner wore the suit because he was better at it than, than Dr. Prell. So Spencer was right. There was a lot of stuff going on that they didn't know and that he couldn't describe. I don't know why he didn't just say cannibals. He calls them cannibals at one point in time. And they're like... No, no, no. We prefer some weird name. What did he call him? Do you remember? I have no idea. I couldn't hear what it was, but some, you know, some sort of uh, like these are the upper class. They're eating humans because, you know, kind of like Hannibal Lecter before Hannibal Lecter. Right. So which is kind of wild, you know, like that there was this high class society of people that would eat just like Hannibal. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. That made the movie to me like way more than I thought. It was meant to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I thought it was just a dumb Yeti movie. And then I'm like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, and then it turned into that. I, you know, I knew they were eating human, but I didn't understand why. Why and how. Yeah. And then when the end happened, I'm like, oh. oh. But I knew it was human the whole fucking time. It was fucking. It was more than obvious. Why? Anyway. So, yeah. Wild movie. Interesting fucking ending. I kind of like the ending. It's a fun watch. I don't know. There's so many fucking other parts in the movie 
some dialogue that they said and stuff that was just so stupid and just ridiculous. But yeah, I overall, I think it's a pretty good movie to watch. So hopefully one day we can get a copy. But So next week, we're going to be doing a couple of uh, interesting movies that span from 87 to 92. We got My Demon Lover from 1987, which you can rent for $2.99. It, it also came out on uh, Vinegar Syndrome, I think. Yes, it did. Or is it Severin? I can't remember. I don't know. And we're going to watch The Vagrant from 1992, and that's on Tubi. Yeah. My Demon Lover is like a PG-13 fucking horror movie, too. So it's... Oh, is it? I think it's PG-13. I, I could be wrong, though. It could be R. But it's like kind of like one of those sexy kind of horror comedies, you know, like Once Bitten or something stupid, mm-hmm. but with My Demon Lover, and it looks ridiculous there's a lot of practical effects a lot of fa- we- crazy makeup and stuff and then the vagrant is with i have no idea what's the guy from the tornado movie twister bill paxton yeah bill paxton's in it oh who plays this guy who gets into a new house and then he's like bothered by this vagrant and it turns into this like huge battle for the house between him and the vagrant and it's like i've never seen either of these movies Oh, but okay. I've been meaning to watch them forever, so okay. um, I'm I'm tempted to go pick up a copy of my my lover and the vagrant because they're just wild. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I guess we'll see if they're really good, and maybe we'll get them. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, check those out if you can for next week. And then uh, yeah, we're almost close to Voidtober, guys. We have everything picked out that we're going to be watching. I need to make a new video and everything. So there's a lot of work to be done. We got a lot of stuff to do on the podcast. A lot of stuff to do on the YouTube. So fucking stay tuned. But thank you guys so much for coming by and uh, supporting the podcast. Please do share it. Let us know your thoughts about these two movies. I would love to hear if you enjoy this movie, these two movies, which one you liked more. Do you think Trog is better or do you still like Shriek of the Mutilated or do you hate both? You know, whatever you got, let us know. Uh, But other than that, thank you guys so much for coming by. And as always, long live the voyage.